Dennis Kinlaw, one of my spiritual heroes, once said, grace is a promise. It's not a payoff. I've been pondering that as for a while of, because I, I think that's one of our great human struggles. I think we live our lives trying to understand that, both with our attitudes and our actions, that grace is a promise. It's something that God just gives to us as opposed to a payoff, something we earn, that we're good enough, that we are nice enough, that we're holy enough, that we're anything enough. The whole point of grace is that God gives it to us even though we don't deserve it. And that's what Paul is saying in chapter 5 of Romans that we talked about last week where he says, while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies of God, in rebellion against God, hating God, rejecting God, betraying God, in the midst of all of that, God's response is that Christ goes to the cross and dies for us. And that is the foundation of our faith, that God in his grace and mercy comes to us and Christ dies for us. And the question we have in response to that is, what do we do about it? What what does it mean for us? And there are a lot of ways people go with it. When you get to the sixth chapter of Romans, you get a sense that the people in Rome, the Christians there are saying, since God is so gracious and so merciful, since he forgives us for anything, why do we worry about how we live? Just do whatever we want. Because God will forgive us. We can can sin and it doesn't matter because we know behind that sin, God's grace is there and he will forgive us. And Paul says, ah, you're missing the point. See, that assumes that sin is harmless. That assumes that we can sin and it has no, no consequences to it. But when we're honest, we all know it does. We all know sin has consequences. We've watched it mess with our own feelings about God and our ability to connect with God. We've watched it tear apart relationships. We've watched it mess with our reputation. And we live our lives trying to to figure out those things, to, to rebuild broken relationships and to rebuild our reputation and to reconnect our, our sensibilities with God and our, and our understanding of God. Why is that? Because sin is continually destroying us. And to say, well, it doesn't matter what I do because God will forgive me. It's true, God will forgive us. But there is damage. And the point of Christ coming and dying, the point of the grace, is not just to be forgiven. It is to be set free from the destructive power of sin. If, all the, if the meaning of the cross is that Christ comes and forgives us, that's awesome. But it leaves us living our lives in mediocrity. In, in quite frankly, in a, in a certain level of despair and hopelessness. I think one of the reasons we wrestle with that is because we see salvation as primarily about going to heaven. And that is certainly a, a big part of it. But quite frankly, salvation is primarily not about going to heaven, but about engaging in the life of Christ now while we live on earth. The point of Christ coming and dying is not just to give us an eternal existence. It is to transform our lives now so that we can live now in the grace and the power and the joy and the peace and the life of Christ. 
And so when we go into the world and we're telling people about Christ, it's not just about you can have eternal life, but it's you can have your life transformed now. You can be set free from the bondage and the chains of sin now. But I'm not sure we really realize how devastating sin is. And sometimes we have this mindset, I think, that giving up our sin is, is losing. And Paul is trying to help us understand that giving up our sin is winning. When we give up our sin, we aren't moving to something less, we're moving to something more. It's hard for us, he talks about it as dying to sin. When we think about death, it always feels like a loss. Because quite frankly, our, when we encounter and deal with physical death on earth, people we love and care about die, it is a loss. Even in the best of circumstances, when that death means that they are no longer suffering and, they, and that they, we know they're Christians and so they're going to, to be with Jesus, as much as we celebrate that, the truth of the matter is death is painful and death is a loss. Someone we loved is no longer with us and there's no, not, there's no other way to explain that. And so when we start talking about death to sin, we, we naturally think it is a death to something that we love and embrace that's good and we're losing it. And it is a struggle. But what are we really losing? I think we often, quite frankly, are a lot like the Israelites in the wilderness God brings them out of slavery, 400 years of grinding slavery in Egypt. And God, through Moses, brings them out of that miraculously. And here they are in the wilderness. And God is ready to bring them into the promised land. And what are they doing? They're grumbling because the food in the wilderness isn't as good as the food in Egypt. We read that and we think, how crazy can they be? And they say, we wish we were back in Egypt. Really? Seriously? Living in grinding slavery in Egypt. Okay, so you get to eat leeks and onions and a few other great vegetables, but it's grinding slavery as opposed to freedom in the wilderness. And yes, it's manna. Not the most exciting food in the world, but you're free. And then we have to stop and think how many times maybe we've Rumbled in the same way. We're a lot like the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and says, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, obey the commandments. He says, I've done that. He said, all right, then here's what you need to do. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. And Luke tells us in chapter 18 that this young man goes away filled with sadness because he has a lot of stuff. And giving up his stuff feels like losing. Even though giving up his stuff means intimacy with his creator. And there are times in our lives, in our struggles, that we are so enamored with our stuff. Whether it's possessions or it's, it's something that you know, we feel, feel, makes us feel comfortable, that makes us feel secure, something that we, brings us pleasure. Whatever the case may be, this stuff, we want to hang on to it because we think it is so great and losing it would be so terrible. Not realizing that letting go of it 
gives us freedom to really know the peace and the joy and the blessing of God in our life, what we were created to experience. And quite frankly, if we're honest, deep down inside, it's what we really want. But we have a hard time letting it go. Hard time seeing life different than what it is. It reminds me of the stories you read about people who have spent so long in prison that when they're released, they don't know how to live. And they commit a crime to go back to prison because for them, prison is comfortable. And we think, wow, that seems crazy. And then we remember our own journey. It's hard to let go. But we're not dying to something good in order to go to something bad. We're dying to things that have the potential to destroy us. To Christ, who wants to set us free. And often these things we're letting go of, they're not bad things. They're just more important to us than Jesus is. And he says, I want to fill you with so much more than that temporal kind of enjoyment and pleasure and security that these things can give you. I want to give you something deeper. I want to set you free. Like in Isaiah 44. You know, what are the Israelites doing? Isaiah says, you know, the guy goes out in the woods, cuts down a tree. He cuts it in half and he chops up half of it for kindling so that he can stay warm and cook his meals. And the other half, he shapes into an idol, sets it up in his house and says, this is the God who rescues me. Really? That's, that's the God that you're going to worship? This is the God that you think is so awesome and here I am. I've created you. I've sustained you. I've blessed you. I, I've done all of these things for you. What has this block of wood done for you? We get so enamored with the block of wood, it's hard to see God in the midst of it. What we don't realize is that these things sins of, of our lives, our struggles, they, we're chained to them. We think, we think they're chained to us. We think we're in control and we can just drag the, these things around whenever we want, wherever we want to, when we want to. But the truth is we're chained to them. They're dragging us around. And you know that's true because think of the last time when you regretted something you said or something you did. And you, when the when the dust has settled and you think, oh man, I can't believe I did that. Why do we feel that sense of regret? Why did we get into it in the first place? Because we're chained to this thing. Because it has control over us. It has a hold over us. And Paul says Christ comes to break the chain. Christ comes to set us free. To give us freedom to know life. And this freedom, you know, some people have taken this freedom and, and the, the, the power of conquering sin and its power over us, as some people have interpreted that as, you, you don't have to struggle with sin anymore. And I don't think that's a biblical concept. I think we're all going to struggle with sin all of our days. He's simply saying, in Christ, you don't have to lose every time you struggle with sin. 
We don't live our lives with Christ with this underlying sense of despair. We live our lives with Christ with an underlying sense of hope. I mean, if Christ came and died on the cross just so we could live in mediocrity, really is that, that's the extent of it. Surely it's more than that. It is the power to live in the holiness of Christ. It is the ability to live so that we don't have to make bad decisions. We can live in the freedom to make good decisions. It, it's not freedom to, to do unholy things. It's freedom to do holy things. And we talk about holiness. For some of us, that creates images of sternness and strictness and legalism. But that's only because we've skewed it. We've twisted it. Because really, holiness is simply being like Jesus. That's really what it boils down to. It is having the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ. And we don't see anything of sternness and strictness and, and legalism in Jesus. In fact, he comes and that's what he's continually fighting with people. Fighting against that. We're set free not to be legalistic. We're set free to be people of love and mercy and grace and truth and faithfulness and goodness and all the things that are part of the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we're set free to be. That's why Jesus comes. And it's not for just a select group of people. Sometimes that gets put out there too. If you just know the secret, if you know the code, if you figured out the mystery, then you get in. When I read this passage from Paul, he's not talking to a select group of people. He's simply, I think he's implying, if you're a disciple of Jesus, then your life is on a trajectory of freedom in Christ. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And I think we've missed that. I think sometimes we, we just want to settle for what's easy. We want to settle for hanging on to all of our stuff and being a follower of Jesus at the same time. And that's going to lead to disaster and disappointment and despair. And so the choice is in front of us continually. We can remain in, in bondage, in slavery to sin and all of the destruction that it wants to create. Or we can, as he says in verse 13, present ourselves, give ourselves, offer ourselves completely to God. That word to offer, to present, it, it has a kind of a lot of nuances to the meaning. But one of them is that you put yourself at the disposal of another person. You simply say, here it is. Here I am. And if you tell me to go right, I'll go right. You tell me to go left, I'll go left. You tell me to jump, I'll jump. You tell me to lay on the floor, I'll lay on the floor. We put ourselves at the disposal of this other person. And that feels frightening to us. That's a risk. And that's where we have to remember, who is it we're putting ourselves, whose disposal are we putting ourselves at? At the one who went to the cross. The one who, while we were yet sinners, died for us. The one who's full of grace. So that anything we give up Anything we sacrifice, putting ourselves at the disposal of Christ is only putting ourselves at the disposal of the one who loves us with an everlasting love, period. And that choice is continually in front of us. And how our lives proceed are rooted in those choices. A little over a year ago, I started having severe pain in my right arm. 
I had no idea what had happened. I didn't remember injuring it. I was at the doctor. I mentioned it to him. And he did a few tests. He said, it sounds to me like you've injured your rotator cuff. That was odd to me because I think the rotator cuff is in the shoulder, but the pain was in my arm. And he said, well, that's where rotator cuff pain presents itself, in your arm. That's how I know it's your rotator cuff. So I'm like, okay, so what do I do? He said, well, we'll take an x-ray. I don't think it'll show a lot. My guess is, based on the movement you have, you might have a minor tear, and I think physical therapy is your best bet. So I did the x-ray. It proved what he said was right, and so I went to physical therapy. And um, the physical therapist, who will remain unnamed to protect the innocent, was, uh, was helping me a lot. And I was going a couple times a week, and he was working on me. It was very, very painful, and it hurt, but it was, it was making progress. But he also said to me, here, I have some home exercises for you to do, and I want you to do these. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll do them, I'll do them. So, you know, the first week or week and a half, I'm doing the exercises, and then I get tired, and things are getting better. And, you know, I'm thinking, do I really need to do these exercises? If I skip today... That's not a big deal. If I skip a couple of days, not a big deal. I'll be back in there on Tuesday and he can work on my arm and my shoulder and get it all worked out and it'll be better. And so it sort of began to go that route and I began to get better and so I was doing less physical therapy and I was doing less of my home exercises as well. And last summer, all of that came back on me. And I did something, I don't know what I did, but I injured it and it was in worse shape than I was to begin with. And which was very frustrating because I was out trying to play tennis. You know how embarrassing it is playing tennis and you're serving underhand? It's just horrible. You know, I hated that. You know, and the, the guys on the other team, I mean, they're like, they're being nice to me. But you know, they're over there going, I really want to crush this serve back at you. And I didn't blame them. And, you know, and, and last summer I threw out the first pitch at the Rapids game. They asked me to do that. And I didn't make it to home plate. The ball didn't make it to home plate. And that's the only reason I didn't make it to home plate, I want to tell you. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been strike right down the middle, right? It was, I was, and I was in so much pain. And quite honestly, one of the worst things was doing the benediction every Sunday. It was so painful doing the benediction. And there were some weeks where I thought, I don't know if I can hold my hands up any longer. And how fast can I say these words? I didn't want to stop doing it because I love doing the benediction. I love looking in your eyes and asking God to bless you. And I didn't want to stop that, but it was so painful. And so I'm back in physical therapy again. And he's working on me again. And he looks at me very gently as he's a gentle person and said, you know, you really need to do those home exercises. Yeah, I know. I will do them. And I did. And I have. What's fascinating is that when I now, when I used to go back to therapy for my treatment, it's like, so how, how are the home treatments going? Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing so well with those. I'm embarrassed. And, you know, now I go back and I can't wait to tell him how well I'm doing. There's something about doing what I'm supposed to do. But here's the thing. And I'm so much better. I, I'm tons better. I can do the benediction. doesn't hurt a bit. And it's great. And lots of other things. I mean, I, while I couldn't hardly put my arm in the sleeve of a shirt, I'm getting so much better. But in the mornings when I come in from walking and I come into the house and those 20 to 30 minutes of exercises are looking me in the face, I don't want to do them. I would rather not do them. I don't want to go, they hurt. There's a lot of pain involved. It stretches me and it strains me. And I would really rather not do them. And some days I'm just tired. I've got a headache. I just don't want to mess with it. I got other things I want to do. And then I remember what I felt like last summer. And I do them. 
And I think back and I'm thinking, you're an idiot, Wes. You have, you have two choices in front of you. You could, you could either do the exercises and go through that pain, a little bit of pain every day, and get better and have freedom of movement. Or you can be lazy and do the thing that feels like it might be the most enjoyable in that moment and continually have your freedom of movement impinged. I can tell you, not just from theory but experience, the first one is better. And it struck me not too long ago how many times spiritually I'm faced with that same decision and you're faced with that same decision. We can give up things that seem so important and valuable and find freedom in Christ and the joy of that journey or we can keep holding on to those things keep living life with us at the center and watch our lives just slowly crumble and watch and feel ourselves continually distanced from all that God wants for us So this morning, that choice is before us. It's not, some, it's not a thing we do one moment and then we're done with it. It's daily, every day. And we will not always do it right. This is not a word about being perfect. It's about the desire of our hearts. It's about what we want. It's about doing what we know in the moment of surrendering to Christ. And we will not be perfect. But it doesn't mean we aren't giving it our best shot. And we're not working toward surrendering to Christ and finding freedom in Christ. So who do we want to serve? What do we want the trajectory of our lives to be? Enslavement or freedom? Holy Father, thank you for your grace that even while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And you died for us to set us free from the clutches and the grip and the destructive power of sin. Father, this day, tomorrow, this week, whatever you're putting your finger on in our lives, help us to see that we might let go. Die to sin about one more thing. And live in your freedom. Through Christ we pray. Amen.